You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. The world, the ungodly, know nothing of spiritual warfare, right? Satan's not attacking the ungodly. He's already got them. He already owns them. The ungodly, the non-Christian, the non-believer knows nothing. Think about this. They know nothing of what we as Christians go through in this world, not our home. They have no idea. But we do. As you've probably experienced at some point in your walk with the Lord, the Christian life can sometimes feel burdensome. In some cases, it can even feel as though life was easier before coming to Christ. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the psalmist's plea before God in regards to the spiritual tensions that occur in the life of the believer. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 72 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 7, In his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. Quite the imagery. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The king of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. This is speaking of modern day Saudi Arabia. Yes, All kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence. And precious shall be their blood in his sight. And he shall live. And the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually. And daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth. On the top of the mountains. This is why it's believed this is during the millennium. Because you don't have grain in the earth and on top of the mountains. Grain doesn't grow on top of the mountains. It will in the millennium. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon, and those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Key word in that is only, only does wondrous things. And verse 19, blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Meaning so be it and so be it. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse are ended. Verse 20, again, the reason why 
it's believed that it's actually a Psalm of David for Solomon. And with it, yet another messianic psalm in the sense that it speaks of Jesus Christ, and again more specifically the millennial reign of Jesus Christ during the kingdom age, which is that 1,000 year period here on planet earth. And what's really interesting is that planet earth will be like it was before sin entered the world. If you can imagine, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, that's what the earth is going to be like for a thousand years. You know, we talk about the rapture, great. We talk about eternity, future, and heaven. But keep in mind, we have 1,000 years prior to the new heavens and the new earth. And personally, I'm very excited about this 1,000 year period because we, the bride of Christ, are going to be seated on the throne with Christ, ruling and reigning with Him for 1,000 years. And the people at that time who are alive will have the bodies that Adam and Eve had. Not their glorified bodies. We're talking about those who somehow survived the seven-year tribulation. They will enter into the millennium, they will have children, their children will have children, their children's children will have children. And Tom, didn't you provide me with a great write-up with your own penmanship, which is really good, by the way, <laughs> of, I mean, the number at the end of the 1,000 years was just astronomical, of how many people will be on the earth at the end of the 1,000 years. Anyway, that's uh, maybe another topic for another time, but we're going to rule and reign with Him. I want to get to Psalm 73. I've really been looking forward to this. It's a psalm of Asaph, and what I want to do is just kind of read through it, maybe comment on it as we go through it, but it is perhaps one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful psalms and passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. So let's begin. Verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, he's being very candid here, <laughs> my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And here's why. Verse 3. I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. And if this weren't bad enough, verse 6, listen to this. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. They wear it as a badge of honor. They're so arrogant. They're so full of themselves. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. This carries with it the idea of back in this time, in that day, you were actually seen as being very wealthy if you were just so puffy from being so fat. I'm sorry to use, I know it's not, you know, politically correct, it's biblically correct. If you were thin, it was a sign of poverty. If you were overweight and your eyes were bulging and you're, you know, you were just, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I can't think of another word other than fat, okay? 
And I say that affectionately because I am one, so. But that's what he's referring to. They're, they're so wealthy, they have so much abundance that their eyes are just bulging in their fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And I like this imagery. Their tongue, picture a tongue, (laughs) walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say mockingly, I might add, how does God know? And there is, is there knowledge in the Most High? Who is God? They're their own God. The psalmist Asaph is having a really hard time with this. Verse 12, it gets worse. Behold, these are the ungodly, who were always at ease. They increase in riches. Everything they touch prospers. Here they are. (laughs) They just pulled up in the driveway with a brand new Mercedes Benz. And here I am in my bus up Toyota, 25 years old. They increase in riches. And then listen to verse 13. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. You know what he's saying? These guys are so wicked And it's like they get away with it. And not only do they get away with it, it's like, God, you're turning a a blind eye and they're prospering. And here I am struggling. They have all this abundance and I'm living with such little. It's not fair. And I'm struggling. (laughs) It's like I'm living this godly life for what? I've cleansed my heart in vain. I'm serving you for what? They're they're doing so well and they have, their life is so easy. My life is so hard. They know nothing of the trials that I taste of and live in every single day. And it's true, you know. The world, the ungodly know nothing of spiritual warfare, right? Satan's not attacking the ungodly. He's already got them. He already owns them. The ungodly, the non-Christian, the non-believer knows nothing. Think about this. They know nothing of what we as Christians go through in this world, not our home. They have no idea. But we do. The trials and the difficulty that we face as Christians. It's not fair, God. What's up with this? You know, if I were God, (laughs) you always know you're in trouble when you start giving God suggestions. Have you ever tried to give God suggestions? You know, God, just, you might want to consider this. This might be a better way to handle this situation. Can you imagine if God responded with something like, you know, I never thought of that. Well, that's a great idea. Thank you so much. I, I wish you would have brought this to my attention earlier. I had no idea. What a great idea. Let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> How disconcerting would that be? 
It's like he's saying, you know, God, you would think that those who are living godly lives and righteous lives, they would be the ones that prosper, and the ones that are ungodly would be the ones who don't prosper. Well, you have to understand something. I heard this many, many years ago, back in the 80s, when I I was a young Christian. How would that look for Satan's campaign? He would have a hard time recruiting people, wouldn't he, if only the righteous prosper? I mean, people would pretty much figure that out, right? Okay, wow. So Christians prosper, non-Christians don't. Well, duh, I think I'll become a Christian. But no, Satan's over here going, no, 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 no. Hey, look at this guy, multimillionaire, living the dream. I was in Costco one day, I'll never forget this. I, by the way, I, I now say, when people say, hey, how you doing? I used to say, hey, I'm doing great. Oh, you're great? Wow. <laughs> I thought God was great. So now here's what I say. It's, it's a great opener. It, it really takes people back. So they'll say, hey, how you doing? I'll say, I'm blessed. You're blessed? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Doesn't that just, I mean, it, because I am. (laughs) You are too. How are you doing? I'm blessed. That's how I'm doing. I'm really blessed. Well, I was in Costco, this is a while ago, and I, so I said to the, the guy, hey, how you doing? And he goes, I'm living the dream. <laughs> okay, wait, that kind of took me back, you know, because you go, well, how you doing? I go, well, I'm blessed, but you're living the dream. <laughs> Here I am, I'm just blessed, but you're living the dream. That's what the psalmist is saying. They're, they're living the dream, man. My, my life is not a dream. My life's a nightmare. <laughs> right? No, that's what he's saying. I mean, look at this guy. I mean, it's like he has no problems. Oh, that's what you think. You have no idea what kind of problems this guy has. So, verse 14, I mean, he gets, this is really intense. He says, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. It's like God you, you spake me every day, and you just prosper them every day. What's up with that? And then he says, verse 15, and this is good. He said, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. In other words, he kept it to himself. He dare not talk about this to anybody because you know what he'd be doing? He would be complaining against God. You know, on Sunday, the message was about complaining, why we complain. And I was thinking about some of the comments that we got complaining about my teaching on complaining. (laughs) Oh, by the way, for those of you who were here, first service, you don't know what happened second service. Let me tell you what happened second service. Did you hear about this? So here I am, teaching about complaining. And what happens? The electricity goes completely out, just as I'm talking about complaining. In fact, I think I would like to know if somebody remembers, because my memory is not that good, 
Somebody remembers, it was something along the lines of, you know, we're, we're always complaining about everything. Poof! Electricity goes out. It was kind of like one of those moments where the Lord's just going, oh really? <laughs> what are you going to do now? Are you going to complain about the electric? And oh, believe you me, as God is my witness, I thought to myself, are you kidding me? The electricity's out. I was going to start complaining. I don't think I did, did I? Okay, good. (laughs) So I just kept talking, went down. Uh, It was actually great. We had a great time. Second service. It was literally unplugged. (laughs) And uh, anyway, that was good. I think that was for me. I think God, uh, actually God did show me a couple things with that one of which was my own propensity to complain. I know you know nothing of what I speak of, but so. Anyway, verse 16. Again, he says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until, stop right there, verse 17, until, until what? Until I went to church until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. What did you understand, Asif? I understood how it ends. I understood their end, and it took me going into the sanctuary of God to understand that. Now notice, (laughs) I mean, what a turnaround. I I think they, they call this a paradigm shift, okay? He says, surely, verse 18, you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakes. So much for living the dream. So Lord, when you awake... (laughs) You shall despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved. This is called, Paul writing to the Corinthians, a godly sorrow that leads to a genuine repentance. He's like, oh my goodness. My heart was convicted. My heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, verse 22. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God. Oh, I love those two words. I love those two words. But God changes everything. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But, I like this, verse 28, it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all your works. I was thinking about, this uh, Joel Osteen book, Your Best Life Now. 
you'll forgive me. I hope you know that this is not our best life now. Dare I say that this is our worst life now? Are we good with that? It's their best life now. This is as good as it gets for them, but it will come to an end. And their best life now will end, and when it ends, then it will be our best life, not for now, but for all eternity. And when I enter into the sanctuary and draw near to the Lord, I get that much needed change of perspective. This guy was having a crisis of faith, wasn't he? Uh, I need to get my faith back. (laughs) I'm about to lose my faith here. My my feet almost slipped. They didn't slip. Almost slipped. That was a little bit, bit too close for comfort. So how is he going to get his faith back? Because he's about to lose his faith here. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Where am I going to hear the Word of God? In the sanctuary of the Lord. Is the Word of the Lord. And it's that Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, a passage so packed full that I ended up actually teaching through it twice. We taught through it when we were going through Romans one Sunday, and then I I just felt like, man, I did not even scratch the surface of this. And so I went back over it again a second time. Even then I still didn't feel like I really got, it's just so powerful. But it's talking about the renewing of our mind by the Word of God. That's what renews. Let me use this uh, metaphor and then I'll I'll close. Because this is what I I believe happened with Asaph in this uh, psalm. Let me use a, a computer metaphor. You know how when you have a corrupted file on your hard drive in your computer, you have to download a new file to overwrite the corrupted file. That's what God does with His Word. It's a downloading of God's Word to overwrite and replace and renew, if you will, that corrupted file in our minds. It's the renewing of our mind and the transformation that takes place as a result. When I'm looking at the world, of course I'm going to stumble. But when I'm looking at the Word and hearing the Word and renewing my mind with the Word, then that just sets everything right. It's a whole change of perspective. And that's what the psalmist did. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website 
at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.